Welcome to the heartbeat. So I heard a quote that said, this is a pandemic, not a productivity contest. Ooh, did that land? Because I know a lot of people out there um, are, are feeling bad for not grinding or, or doing all of the things. And I just want to remind you that, you know, I've even had my time where I've just slept in, where I've rested and where I've recentered, reprioritized, looked at my values, looked at the people in my life, looked at what I was doing and, um, just a chance to look inward. So I wanted to remind you guys of that. And when in those times where I felt bad for not doing things, I got curious and asked why. And in that, I started saying, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to create for the sake of creating, right? So I started drawing or I would sing or I would dance for a second. And then all of a sudden, now I'm writing a book, (laughs) right? And it's just because I put myself in a creative flow, things are just happening and it's fun and it gets to be fun, right? So instead of looking for motivation, seek to be inspired. Just put yourself in a creative state and just start expressing and creating. And I guarantee you, start feeling better. And so also in this, instead of asking what's needed of me, because I think that's a huge question subconsciously that we ask ourselves when, um, we're feeling anxious about not doing enough or whatever, whatever it is, we ask what's needed of me. What should I be doing? Right. And instead of asking that question, I want to challenge you to ask yourself, what do I need? Uh, turn the focus inward And you really use this time to listen to your heart, listen to your needs and prioritize yourself, right? And with that being said, I'm really excited to be presenting this conversation that I had with Lisa Romano. She is a dope human and she specializes in narcissistic abuse, recovery and codependency expert. And codependency is essentially just neglect of yourself, your focusing so much on what's needed of me. You're not focused on what do I need? And I know it because I lived it. Lisa said the same thing and we just had a really great conversation. So if codependency is something that you might be struggling with or just abandoning or neglecting yourself or your own needs, you're not having that be valued. People are walking over you or, or you feel like almost powerless. Uh, This is your episode. It's juicy. It's great. We dove deep. (laughs) So without further ado, You're listening to Lisa Romano and myself talking about how to heal codependency. You're listening to The Heartbeat. So what is on your heart to talk about today? Um, Me? Let's talk about um, how codependency... Uh, absolutely infiltrates a life experience without someone knowing that they're codependent. That's huge. Yeah. Somebody who used to be codependent myself. Yeah, totally. You don't even recognize that it's happening. No. Yeah. No. So, so being guess... codependent is uh, quite tricky because you think you're awake and you're not. <laughs> Very true. So how can one tell if they're codependent? I think that you have to look at the quality of your relationships you look for mm-hmm. signs and symptoms and you you try to figure out, am I happy? Am I unhappy? Is there a pattern here of me feeling invisible? How is my self-esteem? What, what level of self-esteem do I have? Do I not have self-esteem? 
you know, am I able to set boundaries? How do I really feel about myself inside relationships? You start asking, you know, intriguing questions about the self and basically your relationships will tell you what's really going on. Definitely. They don't lie. That's for sure. Yeah. They're a reflection. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so when, what was your start in all of this? How did you get started doing what you do? Well, I think I was always doing it. I just didn't know. I've been a writer since I was seven, trying to figure things out. And when I was really disheartened, I would write poetry. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was one way that I could get whatever was happening inside of me, outside of me, because I felt so invisible. My parents were adult children of alcoholics, very emotionally um, withdrawn, mm -hmm. except when they were angry. When they were angry and disappointed, it was full on. But um, nurturing was not there connection was not there. Um, and I ended up having relationships where I was very needy. I did not know I was suffering abandonment trauma and, um, was looking for a connection and in, in relationships with boys. So I was boy crazy and I was, you know, codependent and love addicted and got married when I was very young at 23. And the marriage was very dysfunctional. And after three children and 12 years later, I realized that I might die in that relationship because I kept getting sicker and sicker, physically sicker. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And finally your a doctor was telling said, you. Yeah. Finally, a doctor says to me, you better listen to your body because your body is listening to you. And it was the first time. And when you're a codependent, you feel like you need permission to like feel your feelings. Right. So <laughs> yeah. here is this big doctor, this professional saying, no, it's okay. You really can look within. You really mm -hmm. can ask yourself if you're happy, like whatever's happening inside of you is really important. And it's almost like he gave me permission to say, I'm not happy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And that's how it started. That's how it yeah. started. Yep. That's, it's yeah. so true about permit, like asking for permission. I feel like that's something that a lot of, I used to do for sure when I was codependent. Yeah. Like full I, on. Yeah. In what ways did that show up for you? Literally everything. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I noticed it within my relationships first because, mm -hmm. you know, most codependent people would consider them like themselves like a love bug or somebody who just loves and cares so much and right. hopeless romantics or things like that. And so, you know, I was, I was noticing that it was like I wasn't my own person mm -hmm. almost. I was catering to my partners. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I was recognizing that. And even some of my friends were pointing out, like, why do you always have to, like ask permission to do things. They were joking about it, but then I'd recognized like after a few times of them joking about it, like, Whoa, that's actually what I'm doing. And it yeah. also showed up in, in work even mm -hmm. like I would, I wouldn't, uh, as an entrepreneur, you know, like put something out there without getting validation from everybody else mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and like, see, this is good. See, this is good. Yeah. Tell me it's good. So I can feel enough. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And instead of just trusting myself. So that was one part of my journey that you know, it was definitely a journey of like rebuilding self-trust uh, to mm -hmm. trust yourself enough where you don't have to like ask for that permission. How did you navigate that or how do you help people with that? Yeah. Well, I think the codependency is, you know, it's, I like to break things down in like bite-sized pieces, Yeah. you know, I'm like, okay, then I have to attack codependency from that angle. And I also understand that if you can't identify a problem, you're never going to identify the solution. Mm -hmm. And so codependency is a problem with identity. You don't know who you are. 
you do not mm. feel good enough. So you're seeking outside validation and you're trying to get approval. And if I get approval from somebody outside of me, that means I'm enough. So it's this mm. externalizing approval. So for me, what I need to do is really uh, reevaluate and reframe, really come up with, you know, a sense of self. And that to me was going back to, wait a minute, I am enough. I was born to like situa a situation I couldn't control. But if I was born to like parents that were, were grounded, that were enlightened, that were conscious, I would not have this issue today. Or I might, it's probable that, that I wouldn't be as codependent as I am. Mm -hmm. And so I began to realize that it was an environmental problem. In other words, it was the way that I was nurtured that mm -hmm. affected my subconscious programming, which is you know, my personality, my id, my ego, my super ego, the inner critic, all of that was affected by my external experiences. And once right. I was able to see it's not me, it was, it's my programming, I was able to disidentify from the shame of not feeling good enough. And that's when I went to, went to work at like saying, no, 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 no. If you had been born to different people, you would have had different experiences. You would have mm -hmm. had a different outcome. And that was very important to me. That made all the difference in the world. So what I do is I help people renegotiate their perception of self. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sort of like raise your consciousness around, wait a minute, it's not, it's not me. It's what happened to me that caused codependency. Codependency is a symptom of something deeper. Mm -hmm. So it's, What is it's, a symptom of? It's a symptom of shame. It's a symptom mm -hmm. of feeling abandoned. It's a, it's a symptom mm -hmm. of never feeling good enough. It's a symptom of having perfectionistic parents or reactive parents or emotionally neglectful parents, critical mm -hmm. parents, judgmental parents, just not getting exactly what you need. And the more you the more abandoned you felt, then the more codependent you will become. So codependency is a symptom. Mm -hmm. Now, the, the issue that, that, that I deal with a lot is I, I try to help people understand that the mind is both conscious and unconscious at the same time. And so we think we're conscious because we're speaking, but the brain is designed to live on autopilot. So how conscious are you really? Mm. How conscious are you really? That's huge. Because, yeah. yeah, your subconscious makes up most of your decision-making. Correct. Correct. Right. Correct. So there's a default mode network in the brain, and the default mode network in the brain is is tied to all your patterns, to all your behaviors. Everything that you've been downloaded to believe about yourself, about other cultures, people who are different than you, about your self-worth, what you should be doing, what is, what do you think success is versus what someone else thinks success is, is all, all the result of what you've experienced and is now subconscious and it's running your life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's running your life. And so it, my job as a life coach is to really awaken people's minds, this idea that Dear one, you might not be as awake as you think you are. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know? Right. You're, you're talking and you're walking and you're drinking a, a bottle of water, but how conscious are you really? Mm -hmm. How conscious are you really? And, and so, what's the beginning steps of that for somebody? Like we mentioned it earlier, of just like questioning. But once they kind of start that process of like, how conscious am I? Right. Um, what? Where do they? You know, what to do then? Because almost well, like when you have the self-awareness of it, it's not a step one. Yeah. Does it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll step, it depends on, um, depends on what the person's struggle is. 
But, you know, mm-hmm. let's say we're, we're dealing with someone who's, you know, recently realized that the problem that he or she is having with their children is because of some level of codependency, right? So I hear this all the time. A mom or a dad starts an argument, you know, with their child. There's some ridiculous fight ensues. Then the mother or dad says some pretty terrible things to the kid. And then later on feels remorseful and then goes into the kid's room and starts apologizing and then over apologizes and then wants the child to understand why they were verbally abused in the first place. You know, wanting the kid to understand, well, this is why I said the things I said. And this is, so it's really all about the parent at that Mm -hmm. point, this codependency and the parent upon the child, please understand why I lost my shit with you. Please understand (laughs) why I said what I said to you. Please understand why I smacked you around, you know, please under, right. So, Mm -hmm. so when I deal with that all the time with clients. So the first step is recognize that you being highly reactive is not the best thing for your child, right? So you become aware that you did something wrong. And then it's about teaching accountability. It's about teaching autonomy and helping people set boundaries around behavior because codependency is first an identity issue that becomes a behavioral issue that becomes a relationship issue. Mm -hmm. And so we help reframe the identity and then we help to deal with a, a particular behavior. And so if someone is, you know, um, this way with their child, then my job as a life coach is to say, well, what could you have done de- different in this situation and raise the awareness around, wow, I really didn't see my child in that experience. It really was all about my reaction and all about my anger and all about my justification and all mm-hmm. about my child wanting to understand me. So it really is a matter of, teaching someone in each situation how they can raise their level of awareness around each individual situation. And that becomes a habit of thought. Why did Mm -hmm. I say that? Why did I do that? Is that really empathy or am I guilting someone? Am I trying to control how they see me? Am I not accepting that they said no? You know, so it's, it's really teaching people how to be, self-observing rather than reactive. Right. And then you get to be essentially your own healer in a way. It definitely helps. You get to show up for yourself. Yeah. Well, that's what happened to me. I realized that Mm -hmm. I could not trust the thoughts that were in my head. I realized Mm -hmm. that I was constantly berating myself. I was never thin enough. I was never smart enough. I was never a good enough mom. I was never a good enough coach. I used to be a personal trainer for years. Um, it was just constantly, my house wasn't clean enough. I never had enough money. You know, I didn't do enough for my kids. I wasn't a good enough daughter. I was like, where is this coming? There's not enough stuff coming from, um, mm. all came from childhood. And then it was a matter of me waking up every day and, you know, keeping a journal of all the negative thoughts that were running through my head. And then I would reframe them. You know, I would challenge them and then have empathy for myself. If I was the biggest bully in my life for me. This mm-hmm. subconscious this sub- subconscious programming was a constant internal bully. And it was acknowledging that this language pattern was there and saying enough. You know, and as I became more aware of it, then it was like, oh, there's higher self. Oh, there's my authentic self. Oh, there you are. There you are. And it was just um it's practice over time. Mhm. 
practice over time. Yeah, that's huge. And I think that it, you know, it does take time. And I think giving patience is so important and overlooked because we live in this like very, you know, everyone, everything now society of like, oh, I'll just take a pill. I'll just do this thing and then it'll go away <laughs> instead oh, yeah. of staying present with it and recognizing that it is a process to unravel all this stuff and rewire your programming because it's been there for your entire life. Exactly. And it's, it's, it's mm -hmm. normal to have it. I tell my clients all the time, yeah. it, it could be no other way. If you had an alcoholic for a dad, a codependent for a mom, and it, the house was chaotic, it could be no other way that you felt invisible. Mm -hmm. It could be no other way that you don't feel good enough. Your needs were not met. It could right. be no other way that you, that you may attract an alcoholic or become an alcoholic. That's part of your programming. Right. You know, but what are we going to do about it today? I think another, another thing is that you have to absolutely commit to leaving the victim mindset behind. It's all oh, on totally, you. Yeah. There's no rescue boat coming. Your happiness <laughs> is your own responsibility. Your unhappiness, because there's a choice. You know, yeah. I can choose, once you're awake, I can choose of free will to think a negative thought. Or I can choose a thought that is, you know, more positive and work myself up the emotional ladder. But mm -hmm. to recover from codependency, it's like, okay, this is all on me now. I have to, I cannot lie to people. I cannot look to control and manipulate a sense of self out of anyone anymore. This is all mm -hmm. on me. If I start a process. It's radical like ownership. Correct. Uh-huh. Correct. Correct. Absolutely. It's like, I'm done. You know, for years, I tried to teach my family that what was wrong with us was that we were codependent. And they pushed me away, pushed me away. Um, my brother-in-law committed suicide in the meantime. Um, mm. And his parents were alcoholics. And I could see it coming. And my parents mm. and my sister included were like, oh, you're such a drama queen. You make a big deal of anything. I was like, ah. A month later, this I get the news that he committed suicide. And that's in that moment, I said, publish your book. It was like a flash because wow. up until then I was insecure about my first book. And then after that, I think mm -hmm. within a couple of years, I had six best-selling books published. Wow. Yeah. It was like, it was like no more victim mentality, no more. They don't want to listen. Find your tribe. Just mm -hmm. open your mouth and trust it. And here I am. Yeah. Here I am. That's amazing. And I think that was, that was in a way like a bigger wake up call to just like, uh, in, in a way that you were right. And like in a, in a validation of like, wait a second, I guessed that right. Mm -hmm. Right. To rebuild that trust. And that was something I was going to ask too. Like, cause I know a lot of people can't trust what's going on in their head because of the programming and it's so loud yeah. and you know, they're fighting to show up for themselves and, and get that radical honesty. Like how does somebody rebuild trust? I think, I think what, you know, we all have this internal guidance system. I was just saying this to my, mm -hmm. my brother and my son. Um, and you know, when your, your body's speaking to you all the time, yeah, you, we know it's, it goes back to the level of consciousness, right? So, you know, mm -hmm. when you're doing something you shouldn't be doing, you hear the rationalization, but you do it anyway. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's important that we begin to trust our body because, we're always getting signals of whether or not we're go whether we're going in the right direction or the wrong direction. And so yeah. when I, I was, I had so much anxiety, I had panic disorder. 
And then I finally realized my body was working appropriately. When I was having a negative thought, my body told me that's anxiety. When mm -hmm. I was in the wrong relationship, I was unhappy. My body was telling me, you know, when I ate the wrong things, my stomach annoyed me. I mean, my yeah. body was always talking to me, my migraine headaches, everything. Um, and so I think we have to be sensitive enough to start becoming silent within our own mind, reduce mental chatter mm -hmm. and listen to your body. Ask yourself, should I do this or should I do that? And then wait for the answer because mm -hmm. stillness will say yes. Anxiety is a no. Right. And you have to start listening to your body. You're getting signals all the time. That's one way you can mm -hmm. start trusting your body. And the other thing is if it feels good, right? When I was writing, I was in the flow. Time stopped. It was like I was in some weird time warp. <laughs> and it was like, wow, when I'm writing, I'm lost in this. I love writing. I love sharing. And so <laughs> follow the guidance of what feels abundant. Follow your bliss. <laughs> that bliss is your body telling you you're on the right track. You're on the right track. You're on the right track. Right. That's so. huge. And I think... Uh, like, I mean, this is more so, I guess, a question, like how much did that flow and creative process like help you out in your own healing journey? It was everything because once I realized that I was codependent and I realized that, you know, when you're codependent, what I did wrong in my relationship was I expected my ex-husband to change. Mm -hmm. You know, I was like, I do everything around here. I cook, <laughs> I clean, I take care of the kids. I'm good to you. Valentine's Day, I make a big deal out of you. You don't even acknowledge. It was all me, 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 how good I was, you know, mm -hmm. um, and how good I was to him and how I loved him and how I did everything for him. Um, and the reality was that, it, you know, he didn't have the same level of desire to connect with me. And that that was fair, but I should have accepted that and then decided if I wanted to be in the relationship or not. Instead, what I did was I complained about it and I tried to show him how wrong he was and how right I was. Mm -hmm. um, and I was stuck. And so I realized that the codependency in me and the, the sick, how sick I was, was my body telling me, you're doing something wrong. Something's mm -hmm. wrong here. And then when I started letting go and accepting him for who he was and accepting how I felt, my body was telling me, you're not in the right relationship. And so when I began to accept it, when I started thinking about getting separated, when I thought about getting a divorce, I started to feel better. And so I was following this guidance and I became more peaceful and more peaceful and more peaceful. Um, it was a long road because when you have codependency, you're terrified of being alone you don't trust mm -hmm. your decision to get a divorce. You don't, you don't trust anything. And so it was definitely a sloppy journey towards right. what feels right and what feels wrong. But you ask yourself a question, does this feel good? Does this feel blissful? And if the answer is yes, even if other people say no, trust it, mm -hmm. trust it. Right. And that's it. That's so huge to just like, it, it is a surrender of like, I'm just going to trust my body. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm going to trust it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm going to trust, I'm going to trust what my body's telling me. Even like I tell my clients all the time, when you meet someone 
And you have to trust how you feel, right? There, of course, the more codependent you are, the more narcissistic someone is, the more you're going to have to work out that initial feeling, right? Because let's face it, codependents as well as narcissists can be very envious people. Mm-hmm. And so, but still trusting the envy is showing you if you're self-observant, going back to our earlier conversation, right. if you're so, wow, that envy just showed up. What's that about? What's that about? You observe it, but you trust it because if you trust mm-hmm. it, it's going to lead you to a deeper truth about self. Right. And this is one thing that I bring up a lot to my clients um, and that you kind of touched on. And I would love to hear your uh, wording and opinion on it of, I call it non-judgmental awareness and just being aware of what's showing up for you and not judging it for a, as being a good or a bad thing. Because then we can very easily go on the spiral of, you know, beating ourselves up for feeling a certain way because we think that we should be feeling something else. Correct. To right. be or not to be, Hamlet, the soliloquy by Shakespeare. That's what it's <laughs> all about. You know, am I going to thrash against this? Hamlet thrashed against everything that was happening in his life. His mother was was married to his uncle. His uncle killed his father. It was a complete mess. Poor Hamlet. <laughs> you know, his <laughs> uncle killed, murdered his father. You know, then he <laughs> murdered his friend. It's a complete mess. And so the whole soliloquy, to be or not to be, is basically what Shakespeare is saying is, you know, you have a choice. You can accept how you feel or you can thrash against how you feel. Mm-hmm. You know, so if I'm angry, I need to accept that I'm angry. I call it layering. You know, mm-hmm. so my, my daughter's upset and she says to me, mom, I'm upset and I'm pissed off that I'm upset. And I'm like, well, try to just be pissed. Just try to just be upset without being pissed off. You're upset. Mm-hmm. Just, just be upset. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sad, but I don't want to be sad. No, no, no. Just be sad. It's Buddhism. Buddhist is right. what they teach. Just embrace the sadness. Don't judge it because mm-hmm. you're going to create conflict around it. And mm-hmm. you're going to create resistance in your body. And you're going to judge yourself. And it is a rabbit hole. So just accept how you feel. And, and in relationships, right? I'm unhappy. Right. But I don't want to be unhappy. That was my issue. Mm-hmm. I was terribly unhappy. I had three children. I was financially dependent. No, I did not want to accept how unhappy I was because that meant I was moving on. That was terrifying. Mm-hmm. That was terrifying. And so I was thrashing against how unhappy I was, and that's why I was so sick. And right. once I started to accept, don't judge it, Lisa. Just sit with it. Process it. You're unhappy. You're very unhappy. Just let it come up for you. Wow, I'm unhappy. I'm unhappy. And then the tears mm-hmm. come. I'm unhappy. <laughs> But that's a breakthrough. That's really how yep. I feel. That's really how I feel. Okay, now what are you going to do about it? I call it my one, two, three process. Number mm-hmm. one, accept how you feel, whatever it is. Number two, feel it in your body. Identify how your body tells you that you're unhappy. And number three, decide what you're going to do about how you feel. And But you have to ask yourself three important questions. What can't I control? What can I control? And ultimately, how do I want to feel? What vibration? do I want to live in once I make this decision? Mm-hmm. And that is a process that I teach every one of my clients and is a process that I use every, the coronavirus. What can I mm-hmm. control versus what can't I control? And ultimately, how do I want to feel? I want to be peaceful. I want to surrender to whatever happens. Even if I get sick, I want to surrender. I don't want to be in panic. It's only going to make me worse. <laughs> right? So I can't. Mm-hmm. I can control some things, but I can't control other things. But I'm going to focus on what I can control, hand washing, you know, wearing gloves Mm -hmm. if I go to the mailbox and, 
you know, I'm going to eat well. I'm going to, you know, stay inside as much as I can. You know, mm -hmm. I want to feel peaceful. If I get sick, I want to feel peaceful. So mm -hmm. that's me accepting how I feel, like you said earlier, not judging it. Yeah. Not judging it. Right. Not judging the coronavirus. Not not judging anything. If you if we stop judging, so much chaos would end. Mm. If we stop judging, that. yeah. If you, if if we stop judging our friends, if parents stop judging their children, if religions stop judging other religions, right? If if mm -hmm. rich people stop judging. I don't know. Poor people. Poor people stop judging rich people. Republicans stop judging Democrats. Just stop judging. Just accept people mm -hmm. for who they are. Respect your opinion. Present your opinion. Right? Don't judge anyone. Yeah. If everybody in the world stopped judging, even themselves, so much conflict would be resolved. There would be no conflict because we would be autonomous, self loving beings who appreciate the autonomy of other people. We would see mm -hmm. value in ourselves and value in other people. We wouldn't have to be so competitive. We would support one another. Your success would be my success. My success would be your success, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it would be a beautiful world. But to end suspend, that's something that I try to do, is suspend all judgment. My, hus my husband's freaking out over the coronavirus. I said to him, I don't judge the coronavirus. Right. I accept it. It's here. It's not his fault. It's here. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. It, it's not his fault. It's here. If I catch it, it's nobody's fault. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's nobody's fault. I just want to, I want to be peaceful. That is my goal. That's my goal every day to let go of what I can't control and to remain calm regardless of what's around me. That is my goal. Right. It's it's putting the awareness and the focus back on you versus external circumstances. Always. And trying to control that because it's not in your control. Yeah, it's it's a, it's really about being a, a big girl, you know. It's, I'm being, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm being a, I'm being a big girl. Yeah. It, it's not your fault that I feel this way. I'm responsible for my own feelings. I'm responsible for my own success and my own failures. Because if you stick at something long enough, you're going to make it. You know, yeah. the problem with human beings is they give up. They give up. Yeah. If you stick at something, you cannot fail. It might take you 20 years. I've heard someone say that it, that an overnight success takes 20 years. <laughs> yep. It's about momentum. And a lot of people, mm -hmm. they don't want to put the time in to build momentum to create the reality that they want. They want it now. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> you know, bow your head, right. be humble, wake up every day study and learn, do what you have to do, do what you have to do to be great, make no excuses and you will be great. Mm -hmm. You will be great. You know, That's but, it for uh, sure. it's being a big girl. You know, if, mm -hmm. if, if I'm stressed, if I have a bunch of little kids and I'm stressed, then it's up to me to self care. It's up to me to stop and take care of myself. So I have more energy for these little kids, the little kids. You know, it's not their fault, they're little kids. <laughs> I summon them. <laughs> right. Right? I summon them to yeah. this earth. They're here because of an action mm -hmm. I took, right? Mm -hmm. It's not their fault that they're little. It's not their fault that they're limbic and emotional. It's up to me as the big girl to say what's going on here and to, you know, control myself. Like, 
you know, and mm -hmm. come from a higher state of awareness and to take care of myself. Right. And to right. not blame outside experiences or circumstances. And no matter what it is, you know, I've, I've had, and I've have not, you know, I've had money. I've, I've had no money. Um, you know, I've run the gamut, you know, um, yeah. but even when I had very little, I practiced gratitude. And that is the only reason I have anything today is because even when I had very little, I was grateful I had eyesight. I was grateful that I had a heart. I was grateful that I had three healthy children, a roof over my mm -hmm. head. I was able to pay my bills. Maybe it was $10 a month, but I was grateful yeah. that I had that 10 bucks to pay a bill. It's gratitude, gratitude, and not mm -hmm. thinking the world owes you anything. The world doesn't owe you anything. Mm -hmm. The world doesn't owe anybody anything. You come here and if you work hard and you follow your dream and you do what has to, what has to get done in accordance to the laws that govern this universe, do what has to get done, keep practicing, you will succeed. You will succeed. Yep. And is that you gotta inevitable? Know, you got to know what you want. That's the other thing. Mm -hmm. That's huge. And so I think a lot of people know what they don't want. Correct. And that's fine. It's fine. Yeah. As long as, you know, 15 years ago when I got, whatever, 20 years ago when I got divorced, I, I was a single mom with three kids much younger, you know, and I'm looking around my, my house with my rotted porch and my rotten windows, you know, and I'm like, what am I, how am I going to do this? You know, and I remember listening to the greats like Zig Ziglar and uh, Wayne Dyer <laughs> and Jack mm -hmm. Canfield and Tony Robbins, do what you love. And I was like, what? <laughs> What are you talking? <laughs> How am I going to make a living doing what I love? And I was like, just, well, what do I love? Then I asked myself, what do I love? Well, I love to inspire people, but I couldn't mm -hmm. see at the time. Like, how can I make a living? I'm a single mom with three kids, quit college, right? How am I going to mm -hmm. do that? And then it was just, well, write. And I just kept writing and I would wake up at two o'clock in the morning to write. I made no excuses for it. And Soon mm -hmm. enough, I had an entire book ready to go That's off to amazing. a I made no excuses. Mm -hmm. I made no excuses. But if you don't know what, if you don't want, if you know what you don't want, then the, then you want the opposite of what you don't want. Right. So it takes some thought. You know, you got to quiet. Right, setting the intentions. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What I didn't I think want. Going into that creative process and that I was, yeah i was saying like going into that creative process and that flow of of chasing what you want but also like we talked about earlier of getting lost in the distortion of time because you're creating or you're expressing yourself in some right. fashion right like that is in a way taking your power back because you're showing up for yourself correct and like you said having faith that it'll pan out how it needs to pan out yeah if i mean i always tell my mm -hmm. clients to don't quit your day job Right. So there's just like, yeah. it's their common, common sense has got to come into play too. Totally. So, you know, I want to be a writer. So let me quit the job that I do have. Doesn't make much sense. <laughs> right. So it's like that's the all or nothing, all or nothing mindset. Yeah. Well, you know, again, it goes back to being responsible. So if I have three kids mm -hmm. in school and, you know, I have health insurance to pay and tuition to pay, I have food to put on the table. I have to have an income, even though I want to be a mm -hmm. writer. And so mm -hmm. I create income. So I worked as a personal trainer. I got three certifications. I did in-home personal. I did whatever. I hustled. I cleaned houses. Yeah. You know, I sold tents. I had three jobs at one time. 
seven days a week. I hustled. Mm-hmm. I made it happen. So I created cash. But in the meantime, I was waking up at 2 a.m. to follow my bliss. And so I was managing myself, totally responsible for myself and my children, but at the same time, carving out time in my day where I could start flowing momentum in the direction of the life that I wanted. So I was creating a second paradigm. I was dealing mm-hmm. with the, the, I was dealing with the consequences of the fallout of my first paradigm, codependency and a divorce. You know, I just bowed mm-hmm. my head and said, okay, this is what I got to do. You know, and yeah. I did. <laughs> yeah. You, know, you stopped the victim it. story. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. You know, I have to, that's one just thing, you know, being abandoned by my parents, like, go ahead, kid, you know, go do, do what you got to do. That really worked out for me because I knew that <laughs> there was yeah. nobody I could call. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, so Definitely. in a way. I can relate to that one too. So, yeah. Yeah. So in a, in a mm-hmm. way it was like, okay, I, I just, all right, what, what can I do next? And nothing, mm-hmm. as long as it was legal, I was willing to do it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, like I said, I also, I really do believe in, in the laws that govern this universe. I, I believe in energy. So I thought, mm-hmm. well, if I carve out a few hours a day doing something that I love and I do it every single day, like, right. It's just a matter of time before I tip the scales. And then what mm-hmm. happened while I was uh, uh, doing like weight training with my clients, suddenly they're like, can we put the dumbbells down and can you just talk to me? I was like, sure. <laughs> well, sure. And then it was, mm-hmm. you know what, Lisa, can we skip the gym? Can you just come to my house next week? Sure. I walk into the house with my, with my exercise ball and they're like, just leave it in the car. Just come talk to me. So here I was <laughs> transitioning well, into life coaching. It was incredible. Yeah. And in, that's awesome. Again, it was just, an, an, it's because I was creating the reality, even though I was in the, the uh, I guess, the, the, the first paradigm or dealing with the consequences of that paradigm, you know, coming crashing mm-hmm. to the ground. But even mm-hmm. though I was in that, I was like still creating a new paradigm. And in a short amount of time, it didn't take much time at all. I was suddenly life coaching my personal training clients and then eventually published my book and then became certified. and have three online coaching programs, a membership site. I'm just, I'm publishing my seventh Mm -hmm. book this year. Um, You know, I'm working with a uh, philosophy teacher who wants me to work with him and, and uh, teach college students. I mean, that's amazing. It's it's just getting better. Yeah. Just riding the momentum and trusting and, and, you know, having that faith pan out, but expressing yourself. I think that was what started you know, to shift the scales, like you were saying. Yeah. You have to, it's so amazing. You have to know what you're doing wrong. And then you have to be, you have to like pull up your bootstraps and say, this is my world, whatever I've done wrong. I am the only one who can fix it. You know, that Mm -hmm. goes back to the behavior, you know, um, stop complaining. And then how do I fix this? And just move in that direction. Even if you have to wake up at two o'clock in the morning, you know, most successful people are up when everybody else is sleeping anyway. That's a fact, mm-hmm. you know, so, yeah. you know, um, and I don't, I don't argue with people anymore for their limitations. So when, when someone says to me, oh, well, I don't want to get up that early or, you know, I like to sleep till eight o'clock or I'm like, okay, okay, that's fine. You know, yeah. but you're, you got you're to take ownership. You're asking me how you can accomplish this thing. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you how you can accomplish this thing. 
And then you're telling me, but I'm not willing to do that thing to accomplish that thing. And I say, okay. <laughs> yeah. You're creating that reality. Mm -hmm. And when it doesn't get done, it's not because you could not get it done. It's because you weren't willing to do what needed to get done to get it done. Right. That is, you didn't, it, is that a failure? I mean, or is that just, you just didn't do it? Like, you know, mm -hmm. failing is, I guess failing is never trying. But yeah. I don't think I don't think human beings fail. I think human beings never try or they simply give up. They give up right before it's about to take place. Mm -hmm. That's my opinion. I I hold the same opinion. <laughs> I love yeah. I love that viewpoint. And yeah, where can people find out more about like your work and and the books you have and everything? Because I'm sure they're resonating. They're listening to this far into podcast. They're uh, they're jiving with you. Sure. They can go to www.lisaaromano.com um, and they can find my books at amazon.com or Barnes and Noble. Um, yeah. And you can just uh, shoot me an email at lisa.romano at lisaaromano.co. Awesome. Thank you so much for this conversation. I learned a lot. I'm sure everybody else has as well. And I just want to say thanks for being on the show. Sure. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thanks for everybody listening. Yep. Go check out our stuff. And as always, put some heart into everything that you do today. <laughs> <laughs>